Andy Anderson joins me and he is becoming quite well known in, I don't know if we can call it the freedom movement. Can we call it the freedom movement? Call whatever we want it. Gigi it's ours. Fo- it's ours to ours to call. Gigi Foster calls it the resistance. She loves to use yeah. these terms of phrase mm. like the French underground. Anyway, uh, Andy Anderson. But uh, that may be where you've seen him on Instagram and so on. But he's actually quite an accomplished entrepreneur, an author, uh, bodybuilder. I assume you've won a whole bunch of medals and stuff. Yeah, pro card, competitive pro level. Unbelievable. Because mm. I've seen pictures of you with your shirt off, it's incredible. So, <laughs> he owns a chain of gyms. He's an entrepreneur who owns uh, Ultimate U. Mm, yes. So, uh, if you want to go train in Victoria, you can go to Ultimate U. Today, we're going to be discussing, uh, well, his passion, business, fitness industry. That's going to be fun. And for those of you who want to talk about the freedom movement, I have something I want to run past Andy, which is some of the problems I'm seeing in the freedom movement. And uh, I want to discuss around that because I think as culty as the Dan crew is, mm. sometimes I feel like the Freedom crew is as well. But Absolutely, we'll get to that. Yes. We'll get to that. <laughs> All right. So, Mr. Anderson, uh, why um, are we talking today? I just... Man, I've got no idea. I was like, I'm just as surprised as you are. But it's an honor to be here. And just before we, we kick on, I, I've already mentioned this to you, but I just want to give you a shout out because the work you've done over the last 24 months has been incredible. Some of the stories you broke were insane. And, I, and I've said this many times on my lives, etc. Without people like you and Real Rukshan and Avi and a few of these other guys that were on the on the streets and just bringing the real news, mm. um, it would have been a, way harder, way harder to process, way harder to go through. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Uh, all the people watching already love me. Now they love me even more. They do. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Shout outs. No, actually, some of them hate. Send donations. <laughs> You're screwing Buy me t-shirts. already. T-shirts. <laughs> oh, uh, thankfully, we don't accept any donations. Some guy in the street tried to give me money. I mean, great guy. One of the we were filming a time lapse for one of the projects. Oh uh, yeah. And I was trying to explain to him, look, I really appreciate, like, buy me a lunch or something, but I can't take cash. Yes. That's that's a whole new realm. Yeah. And I've seen some people in the freedom movement mm. taking wads of cash. Mm. And then mm. I've seen others accuse them of being grifters. And I'm like, yeah, you kind of got a point. Anyway, mm. let's, let's not start there. Let's start <laughs> on business. So uh, business. So you've taken your career in bodybuilding mm. into um, trying to help other people look like that. This is mm. something that's intrigued me because I feel like what you said on Instagram recently, if you're an ecto, mm. an ectomorph, a skinny ruler mm. shape mm-hmm. body, and so you're really you're a girl with abs and you're eating your salads and then telling other people they can be just like you. That's not the case. You're mm. genetically born like that. Mm. Mm. Isn't it the same with you? Well, look, it is. It's true. Absolutely. We've got our strengths and our weaknesses with our body types and genetics, etc. But you can definitely improve on it. You can definitely change it. Yeah. And uh, it just takes different methodologies, different protocols to influence different body types. So, you, you know, an ectomorph is going to have a different nutrition and training protocol to a endomorph or a mesomorph so you know it's a it's an art and a science definitely and yeah you know 10 years ago or longer than 10 years ago i've been coaching for you know 18 plus years now you're that old you look young i'm 35 okay yeah since you're 15 yeah absolutely yeah so been coaching and then i was a chippy at that stage as well um and then i transitioned left the the building space the chippy space went straight all in on on coaching yeah um but yeah, look, I've always had a passion for it. And it was because I grew up chubby, frustrated. Really? Um, you weren't an ecto? No, I was more of an endo. Oh. Yeah. So I put on body fat really easily. My okay. nutrition was really bad. 
Um, I used to smoke and drink. Shh, don't really? tell anyone. Wow. But um, but yeah, and because of that, I was frustrated, and yeah. I I went on my own journey, and I lost a bunch of weight, and I thought, oh my god, I've been so freaking angry. Am I allowed to swear on this yeah, program? Sure. Great, I've been so fucking angry for so long yeah. about um, about my weight, and my body. That when I finally sort of discovered how to, you know, I guess uncovered the formula or the code, I was like, yeah. I need to, I need to help people. I need to share this. So different codes for different genetics. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Can we go through the endo ecto meso thing for people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, ectomorphy is usually your, uh, I guess, your leaner or skinnier body type that find it harder to put on muscle mass but keep lean very easily. Which all of us endos and bigger guys are jealous of. That's right. Exactly. We hate those people. Yeah. And then you've got the other end, which is your endomorphs, and they are more your heavy set type, so they tend to put on body fat easier, but can also put on muscle a little bit easier. Right. Um, they find it harder to be to stay leaner, okay. um, especially on high carb diets, etc. Okay. And then and is, if, a, is fat? Sorry, when we go through this, is fat distribution a, a thing on on endos, or does it can it go anywhere? Like Look, a pear, it can go, an apple it can go anywhere, and it's different for male and female as well. Okay. I mean, females tend to hold a lot more around their bum and legs, etc. So as um, we age in our population, we all tend to get a little bit fatter because of various reasons. Mm. Don't, aren't we then all basically endos? Well, like no, not really. I mean, you, you are you are what you are. You can transition to the middle of uh, mesomorph. It's yeah. very rare. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who's gone from ecto to yeah. endomorph. Um, but if you don't look after your body, you will obviously um, put on weight okay. and get sick and, and it goes on. Okay. So, and a mesomorph? And a mesomorph is more like that natural athlete body type where they are... They can stay quite lean. They can put on muscle quite easily. They're the ultimate. They're the superheroes. Um, and I wish I was born like that. But. So, so you're not a mesomorph. Even though you've chiseled your body to be more of a V, That's you're right. still not mesomorph. So, so I have transitioned to having more of a mesomorphic um, body type now. So ectomorphs can obviously over time and effort and energy put transition over to that yeah. to that middle ground. Yeah. And same, but you're not going to have obstetans transition over and those people who transition into a more idealized Mm. body shape they would have to work harder to maintain it than a natural mesomorph right say again don't have to work harder to maintain it than a natural mesomorph or can you have a natural no that's right exactly right so you you would have to it would be more challenging to maintain for an endo to stay in meso and same with an ecto to stay in meso. For example, if an ecto stops training, they're just going to shrink back down. They'll lose muscle quite easy. Their metabolism's so fast that they're just burning so many more calories than the average endomorph. And so do you find it hard to maintain your physique? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm very rigid on my training. That's that's number one. Um, It's always number one priority. Usually cardio in the morning, weights in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, sometimes more, sometimes adding jiu-jitsu and other things. Okay. And um, nutrition has to be on point as well for the most yeah. part. I mean, yes, I splurge sometimes and I have my cheat meals and things like that, but you know, at least 80 to 90% of the time, uh, it's chicken, sweet potato, lean meats, etc. Okay, mm. so you're almost on competition diet? Pretty much most of the time. Are you happy? On yeah, absolutely. Diet? Yeah, look... My, I'm happy because my energy and my clarity is where it needs to be. I know some people 
most people feel it, they ignore it. Yeah. Um, some people don't. But for me personally, I'm super sensitive to foods, sugars, oxidized fats, etc. Yeah. If I'm on a poor diet, my clarity, my energy yeah. is terrible. My sleep's terrible. I'm cranky. Um, I don't feel good. I don't look good. So I would rather eat clean and feel great yeah. than, than not. And over time, it becomes second nature. Over time, it just becomes what you love to do and... It is what it is. Sweet potatoes are delicious. I love sweet potato. It is very good. It's all the rage now, isn't it? Everyone's got sweet potato fries, sweet potato this. Yeah, uh, Nando's has mm. those. At they're, Christmas, they're I was good. a bit loose. Nando's yeah. have got good garlic bread too. No way. Yes. No one, not many people know about it, but yeah, shout garlic out. Garlic bread? Yeah. No, nah, bread messes me up. Like mm. that. Don't do that. That's no, not ideal, but anyway, delicious. Either so, way. Okay, this is um, interesting. When you look at people in society, do you reckon there's a... I've always felt like there's a high percentage of, um, like, as I said, of endomorphs than ectomorphs. Mm. Do you reckon that's the case? Look, I don't know the actual percentage, but there is definitely a lot of sick and overweight people out there. And whether you're endo or ecto, I think more and more people are... Unfortunately, even with all the resources we have and all the knowledge and yeah. all the gems that we have, etc., um, there seems to be a lot of unhealthy people out there, a lot of overweight people out there. I mean, the stats show yeah, this. Huge. So, look, I, I, I don't know the actual percentage split, but, but what are way, you seeing in your gyms? I imagine it's a bunch of people who look like me, rounder sort of people wanting yeah, to lose weight. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. And so, probably sixty percent of endo coming into my gyms, but you also get a lot of ectomorphs that are just completely out of shape. What, what does that mean? What is an overweight ecto or well, or an, unhealthy ecto? Well, an, an unhealthy ectomorph is still going to potentially have like skinny legs, but have a, a big belly because they've oh. just drinking so much beer or they've yeah. just so much junk food. They'll often have a, a skinny face still and you can't tell, but then the midsection's just completely blown oh. out. Um, it, it's different for, for different people, but it doesn't matter who you are. You, you cannot outrun, you know, shitty foods, etc. Yeah. So That's what I'm, 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 I'm discovering is to just try and compete less against Instagram. Mm. Uh, and and the actors out there, and try mm. and try and compete against myself. Absolutely, because when I when I look in the mirror, I can be very depressed about how I look. <clears throat> mm. uh, but then when I compare comparing myself to Instagram, or whatever. But when I compare myself to who I used to be, I'm mm. like, oh, you're sexy because mm. I used to be 150 kilos. Oh wow, really? Yeah. No so, way. Yeah. So competing. Oh, congratulations. Against, yeah. Yeah. Not there yet, but it's, we're going mm. well. But uh, yeah, to compete against yourself is so empowering. Yeah, it really is. So you're beautiful, by the way. I just want to make sure you're clear on that. <laughs> Second of all. It's so important not to compare. I mean, I, yeah. I honestly truly worry about the state of the world in the next five, ten years, especially yeah. with kids. The way that they compare themselves on Instagram to anyone. It could be it could be superstars and TV stars, athletes, whatever it may be. I think social media is is powerful in so many ways, yeah. positively, but it is so negative in so many so many other ways. Yeah. And I really feel like it's fueling the levels of depression and yes. mental health crisis that we have uh, in the world. That was pre-existent, though. I reckon, <clears throat> you know, the idea that social media is an accelerant mm. rather mm. than a cause. Well, that's right. Absolutely, definitely. I mean, we are innately. Primarily, I mean, we compare, don't we? This mm -hmm. is this is just part of our condition, our human condition. So you're right; it has absolutely advanced that mm. and uh, enhanced it. But it was always there, and we've always done it, and it has its benefits. Mm. Um, but it also has 
negative what, side effects. Every muso watching knows the same feeling. I don't mm. know if you ever played any music, but <clears throat> some of us learn to play guitar or piano or whatever. Mm. We think, oh, that's sounding pretty good. And then you go and you see some four-year-old Chinese <laughs> kid in, <laughs> exactly. in Taiwan playing way better than you go, I'm crap, I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, don't do it. Don't do it. It's so true. It's so true. Okay, so tell me about your business empire. How did you, because you're young and you've got, how you got a, you're the owner of a franchise, right? Like well, that's right. Sell franchise. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I mean, we started, we opened our first centre about nine years ago in South Bank, um, had a dream, had a vision and set out to, to raise capital and had no money and no real business experience. But we, we had a really clear vision of, of what we wanted to achieve and, uh, and that was really bringing mindset, nutrition and training together. Yeah. You know, now mindset is pretty much in every fitness program. 10 years ago, it wasn't. Okay. And so we were one of the first to really bring that to the forefront and have life coaching and psychology throughout oh, what we do wow. to really try to help reprogram people so they could get rid of their old fears, limiting beliefs, habits, and, and recreate themselves. So we opened our first center in South Bank. It was a huge, huge project. How did you do that? Can we pause on that bit? Yeah. Because that initial uh, barrier to entry stumbling block. So mm. you went looking for capital. Yes. How do you, um, did you already have a profile in the uh, bodybuilding community? Not in the bodybuilding community yet, <clears throat> but, you know, I'd been a, a coach for a long time. Um, I was, oh, it's hard to rate myself back then what I, where, where I was well, I'm, at. Well, I'm wondering how, how, you, how you attract um, capital in. Was it private or was well, it look, bank? It, no, no, no. It was private. Mm. And how it started was I literally just started talking to clients about it. And I was like, oh. okay, how much money do I need to, to get my own gym off the ground? Maybe I need about- A few hundred grand, right? Yeah. Maybe I need 100K or 200K. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, if it's 100K, then I you know, get 10 people and give me 10K. And then- oh, 10K is much better, yeah. Yeah, then I could probably pull it off. And so I just started breaking it and chunking it and thinking, how can I make this happen? I mean- other people can do it. Why can't I do it? And so I started talking to people and I had a few clients go, oh, I'll give you 10K. And then I was like, oh, shit. Because you were go. renting a space at the time. No, hadn't hadn't rented it yet. Just sorry, put sorry. a business plan together. No, no, but were you meeting your clients by working in someone else's gym by paying? That's right. Yeah, fee. correct, yeah. correct. So I was renting a space in the gym, doing a lot of outdoor boot camps. <clears throat> I had about nine boot camp locations across Melbourne, very seasonal, crazy. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to have my own, my own center and... I always wanted to have many centers. That was always the vision. But you got to start with one. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and then I started from there. So just talking to people, friends, family. Um, Can we talk about the structure of that? Mm. If, I mean, you don't have to share if you don't want to. Just mm. tell me. But how do you – if you took on 10 investors mm. or 20, mm. like a lot of mm. people mm. instead of one, mm. how do you structure that? Are they just shareholders? Are they on your board? Do they have control? That's right. Now, I mean, it can, you can structure it in many different ways, yeah. obviously. But – the, the way we structured it was just giving shares. And okay. so they weren't on the board. Um, they didn't have a lot of say in the way I run the business, et yeah. cetera, but they, of course, got dividends and um, equity if we sold okay. the business. But you haven't sold? Uh, no. Well, so. that, that obviously evolved. So how it ended up was we didn't need 10 investors. Mm. We ended up, um, end up getting one, which was terrific, and then – that sort of funded the the first centre, mm. um, and then we sort of grew from there. So we started in South Bank. About a year later, we opened Sydney, a studio in Sydney, way Where? smaller, in Double Bay. 
Oh. Yeah. I had a medical clinic in Edgecliff. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Whereabouts in Double Bay? Uh, so yeah, it was, it's Cross Street, I think. It was yeah, Cross yeah. Street. You know okay. where the hotel yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. in excess singer, okay. unfortunately, lost Children's his life. Yeah. 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 But it was right across the road. Michael Hutchins? Michael Hutchins, yeah, yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah. So across the road, because they rebuilt that hotel thing. They did, yeah. yeah. And they actually, so the reason why we had to close that centre was because um, we had a demolition clause and they knocked it down and oh. rebuilt all the buildings. Okay. But, um, but that was cool. It was great. A great little centre, and it was exciting because it was our second yeah. second business. Is it still there? Did you get a new space after? No, the- no, no. Oh, we okay. closed it. We just focused on Victoria. Then okay. we, we moved it all back here. Yeah. Um, then we opened Tullamarine, and right. then we just started um, opening more centres from there. So and they're all in Victoria now. They're all in Victoria now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So look, it's been a it's been an awesome ride, and you know, pre-COVID, we we're on this exciting trajectory. We we're yeah. we're charging forward, and then uh, and then COVID happened, and it all it 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 ratted, rattled everyone. Yeah, look, it's it's been it's been a very challenging time. There's no doubt about it. And mm. again, I'm not the only one, so I'm not I'm not here to complain about it. But um, did you have to close centres? Yeah, we we did. Yeah, how many for sure? Um, we had about eighteen when we. You had eighteen gyms. Yeah, when we Damn, were um, man. before COVID. I'm doing the comparing thing already. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Feeling yeah. so insufficient. That's right. Yeah, but so um, and so now we've got, I think we've got seven. So wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so we, cl- we had to close a lot, unfortunately, and I've seen a lot of friends, businesses close and gyms close, and. Yeah, look, it was challenging. It was crazy. But you survived still with nine gyms. Well, yeah, we're, we're surviving. We're pushing through. There's going to be a lot of changes. Yeah. There's been – it's given me a lot of time to rethink the model and yeah. what we need to do. If, if we ever get thrown into lockdowns again, how are we going to protect ourselves? How? Well, what we're doing at the moment is we're restructuring how we're going to be launching yeah. centres, uh, making sure rents are way lower, making oh, sure man. staff costs are way lower, making sure that it's just – um, I guess just tighter around, really just cutting costs, but enhancing the experience. Yeah. Can't give too much away yet because sure. I haven't openly spoken about it, but cool. there are a lot of changes in play and, and it just has to be that way because, you know, prior to this, we thought this would be impossible. Like who, <laughs> who yeah, would have thought never. this was going to happen once in a lifetime? But um, But it happened and it's just proven that you really do need to make sure that you account for even the extreme situations, it's <coughs> impossible. Extreme leadership. Yeah, but what about uh, Sydney? Did they close their gyms? Uh, they did. There's a lot of gyms that have closed in Sydney, for sure. Yeah, no, in terms of the lockdowns, were they hit as hard as... Um, they weren't hit as hard as Victoria, that's for damn sure, but yeah. um, they still got hit hard. I mean, they, oh. were, they were locked down for months and months. Oh, so it's just the duration, really. So mm. have the governments uh, in New South Wales, Victoria, mm. Queensland, have they all been equally harsh on in terms of their measures in terms of closing gyms? My impression is that the standards are a bit tighter in Victoria, like gyms weren't allowed to open for longer. No, you can't compare to what I in Victoria. Victoria was ridiculous. I mean, Queensland Queensland got hit, but nowhere near as long and hard as Victoria. New South Wales got hit as well, of course, but again, nowhere near as long and as hard as Victoria, and they've eased restrictions a lot faster. But you've got to look at it this way as well, and I guess you don't really understand this or see this unless you're in business, but all the entrepreneurs out there will understand. You know, they, they shut us down for nearly two years, and then they open us back up with a fraction of the people allowed back into the 
the to the bricks and mortar businesses, yeah. your overheads are still where they, they were previously. Right. They're giving you a fraction of the people. They obviously stop all payments coming through, and it's just it's a, an impossible situation for a lot of people. Yeah, but they also stopped you from – they opened other retail but kept gyms back specifically. And this is the frustrating point. It's exactly right. You know, why – tell me why it's okay that, you know, thousands of people can be – putting their fingers all over pumpkin and cabbages next to each other, rubbing shoulders, touching, going to Bunnings. Yeah. And uh, and they cannot go into health and fitness centres. Non-essential. That's right. You know, bottle loads are open and, and people can mm. get blind and do what they need to do there, but they will not look after your health and fitness, even though the data showed that, you know, they weren't um, – producing a lot of cases in gyms at all globally. And so the data wasn't there to support it. There was um, one that showed that Brett Sutton pointed out in Victoria, mm, a super mm. spreader event, which was then uh, disproven. Exactly right. True. Yeah, 100%. So, look, they um, it's taken its toll on Victorian business and it's been very sad to see. You know, you walk through the city, all the businesses that are closed, all through South Melbourne. Yeah. And um, I dare say that once the lease protection comes off in March for Victoria, we're going to see a lot of... Um, closures? We're going to see a lot of closures for sure. There's no doubt. There's a lot of mediations happening right now, a lot of mediations with landlords, etc. cetera. Um, and again, think about it. You, you've got these small businesses that have been locked down for nearly two years. They've still had to pay a whole lot of bills and, and rents and things like that. And they're going to be working for the next one to two years. Mm. Just to pay that off, you know? So, you know, this might have been worth it if we had a better result in Victoria, but we haven't had a better mm. result here compared to, say, Sydney. So mm. I would just move my gym to Sydney. Mm. Well, that's right. I mean, look, there's a business in Victoria is up for discussion in a big way right now. Mm. Um, when the bill passed, the emergency bill passed um, in December, I think it was, I was I was very concerned. I was... Because they can shut you down again. That's right. Yeah. I mean, as we know, you can call... Uh, a pandemic, yeah. even if there's nothing in Australia. Right. And it's just so unreasonable in my eyes, yeah. especially now with everything that even now the mainstream media are admitting to, yeah. how the data had been skewed and so much of it was irrelevant. Yeah. Um, it's it's concerning. So, yeah, Victoria, Victoria business needs help. It needs to – it definitely needs to um, – yeah, things need to change here, and hopefully, hopefully quickly. Okay, do you run those gyms yourself, or do you sell and rent franchises to other people who run them? So some are company owners, some are franchises. Okay, mm. all right. So how have you guys found the? Uh, are we allowed to go to gyms uh, without showing our Vax passports? Uh, so no, you are you. Well, you meant to show your Vax passports. Ha, yes. Has that been a? a um, hit on you guys or is that a minority because we're 93% vaxxed or whatever? No, look, it's um, it's definitely been hit. There was a lot of people that... Because um, a lot of had, people who haven't been vaxxed tend to be the health conscious gym junkies. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think a lot of a lot of centres got hit pretty hard with that initially. Um, some centres upheld it, some centres didn't. And yeah. uh, it is, you know, it is what it is. But um, okay. but yeah, it's not it's not ideal for business whatsoever, and um, it's not going to help it moving forward either. I'm seeing some frustration from a lot of us who are double vaxxed mm. and just having to show this thing. I think people mm. are over it, tired mm. of it. Absolutely. And if they if they are going to push to a third <laughs> <laughs> or a fourth or a fifth, I mean, it's going to get out of hand very very quickly. So 
Okay. Mm. So these so and these equity guys in the beginning, investors in mm. your business, as you grow, they then would retain their equity stake as big as you get, right? Mm. So that's right. So yeah. yeah. yeah so now, um, what kind of an exit? So just kind of business chat. What mm-hmm. kind of an exit can equity investors expect with such a illiquid market? Mm-hmm. Like if you have a public company, you buy BHP and you sell, mm-hmm. that's fine. But when if mm-hmm. I buy a hundred grand of your business and mm-hmm. I earn forty percent, mm-hmm. how do I get out? Mm-hmm. So again, every business will have different clauses in their in their contracts for exits. Yeah. Um, and basically, I mean, the aim of the game, especially where I'm going now, is yeah. we're looking at a three to five year plan to move forward. Um, obviously, if you want to exit and you want a higher multiple, then you want to be looking at you know IPO or um, larger investors coming in, private equity, etc., to get a larger a larger dividend. Is that um, where you're going? That's that's where I want to go to the, into the uh, institutional inv- or bigger investors. Yeah, that's right. It's another round, and that's where they have the opportunity to sell out. Exactly, okay. exactly. And so, then are you going to do a like? A, there's a lot of micro IPOs mm, like um, Oliver's Health Foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's where we want to take it. I mean, okay. the the remodeling of what we're doing right now it's um, it's pretty exciting. I'm really really pumped about it. I think the the changes are going to be super beneficial for us and the industry, and um, and yeah, and that's where I want to take it in the future. Like F45. Yeah, look, they've done great. They've um, they, I mean, they're from still a business been... sense, not from a training sense. No, well, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think they they went. They've had a a great ride, yeah, and and super inspiring story as well. Shout out to them. I mean, are the, they um, are they curving down though? I'm detecting. Well, everyone got hit during COVID. I mean, everyone there was a lot of closures all over the place. Yeah. But they were, from memory, they were meant to go public. I think it was the week that the world shut down, oh, and okay. so their IPO got pushed oh. off. And everyone was talking about the IPO. Very exciting. I was glued yeah. to it because I'm like. Yeah. This is incredible. Yeah. You know, a Sydney Sydney company, yeah. gone global, IPO, New York Stock Exchange. It's a dream. It's, a dream. it's incredible. On oh, New York? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, um, are they so worldwide? They are. Oh. Huge, huge. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so unfortunately that got put on pause, but they end up IPOing. I think they IPO'd with a $2 billion market cap, something like okay. that. All right. And so it was a success. So, so look, I mean, they have. Continue to push on because different parts of the world have stayed open. Yeah. A lot of them closed in Victoria um, across the board. But yeah. look, it's uh, now hopefully, fingers crossed, with everything open back up, we can just get back to doing what we, we want to do, doing what we love to do. All right. How about some business lessons mm. for everyone watching? I just did a town hall on starting and growing a business mm. with Small Business mm. Australia. Uh, what do you find? Give us some of your best mm. lessons mm. on how to start, how to grow a business, mm. and maybe some of the mistakes you've made and what to avoid. Awesome. Great, great question. So oh, there's so many. There's so many, especially after COVID. There's been a, there's been a lot. But look, I think I think number one is make sure that you control your expenses. That's obviously a huge one. Um, you've got to understand the numbers and be fully across it. Um, and so if you it's it's very easy in business to get excited and to go bigger than potentially you should, and I've done it a few times. Can you give me an example? Um, well, for example, leases. You know, if you if you yeah. find a location or something that looks great, you immediately get excited. You can you can envision yeah. what it could look like, but it's a, a 200, 250k lease. Yeah. Um, you got to look at the numbers and what is your break even point and yeah. how how long is it going to take you to get there. 
worst case scenario, not best case scenario. And so, I mean, for example, our first location in South Bank, the rent was over 200K a year. And that was our first location. How did you afford that if you only raised 100 or whatever you raised? Yeah, well, so (laughs) there's a photo of... Me and my ex-wife, who uh, me and my ex are still business partners, incredible woman, and we um, we had we got our first chunk of capital, yeah, and it was enough to put down the bond for this place, and so we put it down, and we took a photo in this old shitty warehouse. We jumped, yeah. did like the Toyota jump in the yeah, air, yeah. took the photo. And as our feet hit the ground, obviously reality kicked in that we need to raise a lot more money to renovate this place, get it going. I negotiated, you know, six months rent-free on the property. On like an initial two or five year or something? Yeah, we did a five by five by five. Um, And so we went to work and then we we had to obviously make sure that we pulled everything through and it took a lot longer to renovate. I used to be chippy, as I mentioned, so I did most of the renovations myself. Pulled a lot of favors to get it yeah. all done, yeah. and then it was pretty much close to the six month mark six that it took to to get it fully finished and good enough to open. And your free rent period was six months. Six months, okay. yeah. So it was right on the line. Okay, very stressful. <laughs> it was very yeah. intense, and so you know the stress didn't end there. We we then had to um, make it work with no marketing budget back then. Digital marketing wasn't my strength. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm very, very competent at it now, but yeah. back then it wasn't. And so we had to basically just pull in people off the street. We're in South Bank, so I'm yeah. looking around at all the buildings. I'm like, there is yeah. millions of yeah. people. Yeah. We, we need to get onto these guys. So I, um, so the, you know, the the best way I knew how at that stage was to hit the street with the clipboard and. We would uh, we'd do some funny stuff. You know, I had this red morph suit where it was like, you know, the morph suits where it's it's basically just a red suit that covers your face and okay. your body. Super tight, lycra. Oh, Spider-Man type thing. It's pretty yeah, much, yeah. yeah. Just with no patterns. Bright red. So you wore that? I wore that like an absolute idiot. <laughs> no, but you, you had a good body, so people would be like, oh, I'll go well, to the gym. Yeah, well, yeah. that's right. That's right. So... I'd dress up in that with a clipboard and just run up to people and try, hey, I've just opened a gym up the road. Can I get your details? Do you want to come and try it out? And you'd get people saying, fuck off and yelling at you. And, and it would start to rain yeah. and you had to run back. Yeah. And yeah. it was crazy. But, you know, the first 100 to 150 members that we signed up to yeah. that center were from ripping them off the street, street. and pulling oh. them in. So, I mean, what sell? Like, how did you give, how did you entice them? Just straight up being. Catching your attention. Yeah, pretty much. Scare the shit out yeah. of them. That's strategy number one, break the pattern. But uh, but no, in all seriousness, just went up to them, had an offer, like it was like a seven days free pass okay. or a 14 day free pass. And then uh, just pitched them about mindset, nutrition and training, our mission. Yeah. And um, and that sold them. They come in for the seven days, they like it and they yeah, that's stay, Yeah, that's the, that was the marketing play that I ran then. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Mm. And then... Um, and then you kept growing. That's amazing. And then your did you your second location you was in uh, Sydney, as you yeah. said. That was a company owned, not that a franchise. Was, that's right. Yeah. And then when did you have the idea to start franchising? Look, the the idea to start franchising um, came. Look, it was thrown around for a little while. I was always in two minds about it, just because of the consistency of the brand. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be diluted, or you know, I mean, both. Staying company owned and and or franchising, yeah. um, there are pros and cons with with both. Yes, yes. But the industry is just moving so fast and it's yeah. changing so quickly. 
if we we're going to stay relevant and and get to where we wanted to be, franchising just made more sense. Why? Because growth, speed. Because growth, uh, yeah, speed of growth. Otherwise, you, you've got to raise a lot of capital. It takes a lot of time. Lose a lot of equity. Yeah. Okay, so because now somebody else is having to take a loan for a hundred k or whatever and start up their own risk. Well, that's they, that's right. So it's they, their business, and they yeah. pay you a percentage of their taking exactly. for your branding. Correct. Yeah. So why wouldn't they just start up their own? Look, so you, you pay for the system. You pay for the support. You pay yeah. for you know, the training and everything in between. And oh, you pay so for the larger brand. Yeah, okay. So they don't have to <clears throat> come up with that. You can teach them how to run it, what to do, what classes That's to do. That's right. Correct. Uh, well, everything's systemized. It, 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 we, we give the business to them. Yeah. Yeah. So if I wanted to open a gym, mm. um, it would be a lot easier for me to come to you. Well, that's right. Exactly. Buy a franchise. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Because mm. some of these Maccas um, franchises, I hear that <clears throat> some of them buy like um, – three, four, five franchises, and they're really wealthy. Yeah, well, that's right. Like the system is so good. Yes. That's why it's so expensive to buy Macca's franchise. Mm. Wow, and okay. another part of the health crisis that we have right there. So Yeah. It's just food's too good, isn't it? It tastes too good. It's delicious. Hey, <laughs> I, I haven't been to Macca's for so long, and the other mm-hmm. – a, a guy came down from um, Brisbane, a pretty high-level guy, and he he's wanted to meet, and it was really late at night. Mm. I said, nothing's open, mate. I can't – there's no coffee shop or anything open. So we went to the local Mac. I said, I'd meet me at Macca's. Mm, so mm. we're having this. I sold a helicopter once in Macca's. So it does yeah. work back in my old job. No, but so we're sitting in Macca's and uh, I'd already eaten for the day, um, mostly a carnivore-ish diet. Mm. So I'm very satiated and I don't really, I don't snack or anything. Mm. But while I was sitting there, I could see the smells. I could, and I was just hungry mm. for no reason. Mm. I, was, I could totally smash down probably another 3,000 calories yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Easily. Mm. And I think. I think a lot of what we're talking about with diet, well, you're the, the, the guy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like just the overconsumption of pure calories, whatever mm, macro mm, that mm, is and whatever mm, quality that is, mm. I reckon hyperpalatability has been the reason why I've grown up so fast. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I agree with you. Mm. Mm. This hyperpalatability thing, how do you um, how do you wind that back? Well, look, I think it starts with just understanding calories and then understanding how much food you need looking at your, your base metabolic rate etc and um, obviously there's a little bit behind it but if you understand what your capacity is and should be and how that relates to the training and the energy output then you're going to be more conscious of your decisions so I think it, it starts there but most people don't go around thinking I've had 2,000 calories so I don't want to have another 1,000 mm. they just feel like I feel hungry mm. I need something yeah that's right and it's also about the quality of food that you eat. If you're eating food that is not nutrient-dense, yeah. um, you know, poor-quality food, you are going to continually feel hungry. So the better quality food choices you make, the less hungry yeah. you will be. But also for me, I mean, I eat like five to six meals a day yeah. spaced out throughout the day, and I make sure that, um, that I don't get hungry because if I do, I turn into an animal just like everybody else, and I want to go for the chocolate or I want to go for the, uh, the burger or whatever it may be. But... If you make sure that you space it out correctly and yeah. um, and you don't let yourself fall into the the traps that everybody does, you can uh, you can reprogram your whole lifestyle. Okay, so <clears throat> get, getting ahead of that, um, mm. never getting that three o'clock hungry, mm. and then the, the what do they call it? The food truck, ding ding, comes That's by right. your work, your office, and you're exactly. all out there getting a Snickers. It, so much of it is preparation, just like everything in life. You know, you need to be prepared. Otherwise, you will default to your worst self. Mm. And, and again, that relates to so many things in life. But 
I um, I truly think that if you are prepared with your food, etc., then uh, then you will not default to the food truck or the chocolate big M or whatever it may be. All right. So with the lessons for business, you mm. said don't, uh, control your expenses. That That's was a right. mistake for you mm-hmm. at times. Have you got any really big wins? Mm. Really big wins. Really big wins. Look, sales and marketing are crucial in business. People, I don't think people give it enough uh, energy and enough praise. Yeah. Um, sales and marketing is business yeah. to a certain degree. You, If you don't have customers coming through, if you don't know how to convert sales, if you don't know how to get qualified leads coming through, et cetera, then your business will, will stunt and you won't be able to grow your business. So, you know, the, the biggest wins have been developing my sales and marketing systems over the years, okay. my sales and marketing skills, and, um, and then being able to scale, uh, you know, a large company. Yeah. You know, even though we've had, I mean, this last two years has been crazy and we've had to close so many centers and we've taken some big, big hits. It's been yeah. uh, horrific at times. Yeah. But... With everything that I've developed over the last 10 years, I know I'll be in a better position than I was in 24 months from now, okay. guaranteed, because people like me and a lot of the entrepreneurs out there, we just we don't give up. Yeah. And you take your, your wisdom and you take the hard lessons and you take the pain and everything else yeah. and you, you turn that into motivation to fuel you to the next level. And so even though the last two years has been times where I've been so deflated yeah. and and you know, uncertain and uh, and just angry as well and a lot of other different emotions. I knew that we were going to find a way to make it work and or pick up whatever pieces were left. We didn't, we didn't know how long this was going to go for, if this was, we could still be in lockdown. Mm-hmm. But I knew that we were going to find a way to come out the other end. Whatever was left of the business by the time we could open up and move forward, um, we will take the best parts of that and evolve it into something even better. And, uh, and continue on the mission, which has always been to change one million lives. Mm. <coughs> change one million lives, how? We want to change and transform one million lives in Australia. Okay. Yeah, through health and fitness and mindset. Health, fitness mm. and mindset is the key. The mindset thing is new to me. Mm. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right, so uh, how, when, when you think about um, growing such a large brand like that, do you, are you thinking about like USPs, or are you just mm. trying to compete mm. and just out-compete others? No, I mean, it's, I think that's a huge part of competing, isn't it? I mean, you've got to have that unique point of difference mm. and um, you've always got to try to, to innovate and separate yourself, for yeah. sure. Whether that is through, I mean, ideally, you, you do it through all parts of the business from you innovate and differentiate your sales process, marketing, yeah. the, the actual product or service itself. That's hard. You're in the gym space. Well, that's right. Absolutely. And uh, it is challenging and it's very competitive, yeah. but there are still a lot of ways to do it. And it, and it may just be subtle subtle shifts, mm. but it's still enough to to separate yourself in the marketplace. So mm. it's important. And, and to be competitive and to grow, I think any leader of a business or entrepreneur needs to have that mentality and mindset. Why, why do you think we keep doing this? Like you just talked about getting up again, and I've mm. been the same. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't we just go and get a job? Yeah. It would be so much easier. It's a great question. and I Probably just, earn more money on average over time as well. Yeah, well, potentially. You know, again, it could happen that way. Um, but I think the, the vision of that not being the case is really what pushes us forward. But at, at the same time, I fucking love this game. Like, yeah. I know exactly... I know the risks. I know the ups and downs. I've been in this game long enough to feel all sorts of pain, fear, anxiety. 
um, you know, especially going through COVID. But also I think if we can get through the last two years and what's taken place and being forced to close and the horrendous things that have taken place on small business, especially in Victoria, I really feel like we can do anything after this. But what's the upside? Like, mm. let's say you go and sit on, you know, you sit on a cor- nice fancy corporate job on 180k mm. a year, right? So that was fun. Mm. You get bored, mm. I quit, mm. and we come out and do something else. Mm. But then now I might spend a year earning minus mm. 20 grand mm. living on savings. Mm. And then one year you might earn 200 grand, but yeah. the next you might earn 30 grand. Mm. Why would we play a game unless there's a mm. big potential is there is there a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow where we, we might earn a million dollars in a year well it depends on the vehicle i mean it depends on what business you're in and what you do how competent you are your capabilities everyone's different and there's no guarantees i mean that's the thing you got to understand in business and as an entrepreneur some people win and they win big because that's you know who they are the combination of whether it's timing luck ideas all those things um, and some people don't but mm. I think at the end of the day, inherently some people are born to do this. Some people are born to lead. Some people are born to um, create, figure things out, charge forward, be unreasonable, do the things that other people don't want to do. So it's less about that paycheck then, even though it's important. It's more about just the process. Well, that's right. For for me, you know, of course the paycheck's important, but um, for me the passion behind waking up every day figuring out this thing, making it happen, doing doing things that other people often cannot do, I get a huge buzz out of it. And then impacting, you know, people's lives and oh, helping people and there's so many there's so many pros to it. A lot of cons as well, but of you know, you've got to you got to pick your poison and I choose to be an entrepreneur. You you're talking about it like it's a puzzle like Tetris. It's a fun well, it challenge. Is. Yeah, it absolutely is because it doesn't matter what business you're in and you'd know this firsthand. It's there's always problems. There's always, always. challenges. You always. have to figure it out day by day. Um, and it's it's an interesting game. And on top of that, the the mental and emotional fortitude that you need to develop and the mental strength that you need to develop, yeah. the emotional intelligence you need to develop to be good at this game, yeah. it's um it's it's a lot. And it takes rituals, it takes study, it takes process, it takes conversations and networking, it takes standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. I mean, I so many of my mentors and even mentors that I haven't met but I, I learn from yes. reading hundreds of biographies yes. or watching documentaries. Yeah. I, I learn about their mentality and their mindset. I compare yeah. and I say, well, look what they've gone through to yeah. go through this, you know, especially going through this two-year period where we're closing businesses and, you know, there's people are turning on us and it's just crazy time. It was so uncertain and it was scary and I was like, oh, my God, what this is insane. Yeah. But I... I also then looked at some of the greatest entrepreneurs and I and I do this when I'm trying to figure out my own path and get my confidence in different areas and I think these these great entrepreneurs when it wasn't a pandemic yeah. closed liquidated businesses closed businesses yeah. did all this did yeah. all that and they still yeah. recovered and became incredible game changers yeah. billionaires whatever it may be yeah. so I draw a lot of strength and energy from those stories and from mentors and and from people that have have walked the path before me. So, mm. Mm. okay. So, if someone wants to buy a franchise, <clears throat> whether it's uh, like a Macca's franchise or your or mm. started gym with you, are these vehicles that can kind of make you a comfortable earning of you know eighty to one hundred and fifty k or something, or can you pull mm. out profit in like a gym of mm. a lot more? 
What can you, you, earn? you can. It just depends. It honestly, every model is so different. So it depends on the model. Um, but on average, I think a small business, you, you're going to be able to get 80 to 100K out of it. Because most people do that. Model. That's yeah, right. They, they don't pull out. Yeah, you know, 500k a year. No, well, yeah. that's right. And again, it, you've got to look at the scale the business can get to. If you've got a smaller studio yeah. size, you know that your capacity might be 150 to 200 members. Yeah. That there, there is a max capacity of people and revenue on a right. on a business that size. You you get a larger um, gym, let's say a big box gym that is 5,000 square meters, and it takes 3,000 members to break even, etc. The potential profit and revenue on that is a lot higher, mm. but also the risk on that is, is a lot higher. And, you know, in our game, in the fitness industry right yeah. now, it is very competitive. It's never been this competitive before. And um, and previously, like say 10 years ago, big box gyms were the staple. They were yeah. the majority of the marketplace. Yeah. They could afford to have huge, huge rents, yes. exorbitant equipment costs, staffing yeah. costs, etc. Might take two thousand members to break even, but yeah. they would have five to ten thousand members would be fine. Yeah. But now there's just so many boutiques and so many smaller players in the market. The market's getting more and more diluted. So Why? They, what do you mean? Why? Why is the market going that way? Away from Virgin Fitness and yeah. Fitness First. Well, because fitness. opening smaller studio centres. I mean, there's a group fitness craze. People love training in okay. groups and functional training, etc. It's yeah. it's just such a great way to train. Yeah. Um, and I think people were sick of not having that personal touch. You know, these uh, bigger centers, uh, you're just a number. You yeah. don't really get support. You don't really get shown how to use yeah. the equipment. You don't really learn about nutrition or anything like that. Yeah. So a lot of the boutiques in the marketplace are coming out with more service, with yeah. better education around nutrition and mindset and training, etc. more personal touch. And then for business owners, whether you are, you know, opening your own business yeah. or a franchise or whatever it may be, you know, it's lower barriers to entry. You know, mm -hmm. opening a, a studio or a center that's 200 square meters or 800 square meters compared to 5,000 square meters, it's a lot different. Mm -hmm. A lot less capital, a lot less risk. Your bond's less, your rent's less, your staff's less, everything's less. So, so you're not going to open a big box place. You're serving lots no. of small places. Well, that's right. So, I mean, our centers were always around... Know, five to eight hundred square meters, something like that. Okay. Um, big boxes are a lot bigger. Yeah. We were we were sort of in between a boutique and a big box, okay. so to say. Um, but you know we're, we're changing things up as well, and we're we're innovating and we're uh, reducing expenses and yeah. improving, and um, and really enhancing the online side as well. It has to be has to be done more than ever. Um, so it's an interesting time. The industry yeah. is interesting, yeah. not only in Australia but globally. Okay. Um, but it's uh, it's the industry that I love. Uh, can I ask you a fractional reserve banking question? You know how mm. if we all tried to withdraw money from the bank, it wouldn't be there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So gym memberships. Mm. If everyone showed up who mm. has a membership in mm. your gym, would it mm. be can't fit everyone? Yeah. To, to refund them? No, oh, no, 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 no. To, fit to, to visit, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Because say you can fit um, 200 people a day in your gym, yeah, yeah. but you've actually got 700 memberships, but you know 500 are not going to show up. That's right. Look, I think... It, d it depends on the size of your gym and where it's at, but it, it, let's say a big box gym, for example, yeah. it's got 10,000 members. There is no freaking way. <laughs> there is no way that if everyone showed up, no, that's right. <laughs> but this is the, the big box model is really based off that. The big box model yeah. has been based around selling memberships 
the people don't use. Boutiques don't do that? No, well, no, because a lot of boutiques, I mean, the, the, the aim of the game with boutiques is retention. And you're not going to retain people unless you are oh. keeping them coming in and helping them and supporting them. So it's, it's a really different mentality and mindset and quite a different business model when you compare a large scale to a, to a small scale. So you got a lower churn rate than the big guys? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, so if people are buying membership from you, they're most likely coming in to use it. That's right. And are you signing up all of those memberships all in January when we're all guilty? <laughs> no. Look, we're, it's, it's, it depends on what's happening, honestly. But you are going to get that little peak, of sure, course. Sure. Um, but if your marketing's good and your uh, your offers are good, you can get people pretty consistently all the way through. Okay, so the rumors of you guys signing up like, 75% plus of your yearly mm. income in January and February. That's not the case. No, not for not for boutiques and not in my experience anyway. Okay. All right. Mm. All right. Any more business before we talk about politics? Um, look, business, it's a great ride. I love it. I want to give a shout out to all the entrepreneurs in Victoria. I um, Whether you're in hospitality or, you know, the fitness space or the event space or pretty much every space, mm. uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, including this year, still suffering and and going through a lot, and um, and I just want everyone to know they're not alone. You know, it's so easy in this game. It's, you know, entrepreneurship and being a business owner, it's very lonely. Some, yeah. Sometimes people, you 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 feel like people don't understand you. You're misunderstood a lot. Yeah. Um, you you're always trying to push through and do the right thing, but you know, crazy shit happens like COVID, and you got your hands are tied in so many ways. So I know a lot of people hurting out there, and um, I guess I just want to hopefully fill them with hope that you can get through it. You know, you can you can see this through. It's going to be ugly for 12 months, 24 months maybe, but if you stay consistent and you look after yourself energetically, mentally, emotionally, you will come out a stronger person, a better person with more wisdom and hopefully eventually more money in the bank. Hey, there you go, entrepreneurs. Good message. Mm. Hey, why are you so happy? Not happy. Yeah, <laughs> not just happy. Why? Why have you so much uh, positivity and energy? Like, how do you? Are you filling up somewhere? What are you filling uh, up on every day? Yeah, on what though? What do you? Look, some people it's faith. Some people it's just nature. What? What is it for you? I mean, I. I mean, I love what I do. Number one, but I. I also practice a lot of mindset rituals to just keep me sharp. For example, on the way here, yeah. I was just listening to affirmation tapes. <laughs> it's just which is what like I can do this. I am or. I'm you know, good. that's right. Okay. I am awesome or whatever it may be. And it sounds wanky sometimes, but... We need to be wanky. Well, right. that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. But reinforcing that, you have thousands of thoughts in your mind every single day. Yeah. A lot of them are negative. Most for many people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And people don't realize that. And it's because what we're inputting, you know, there's so much negativity in the world. What you watch and consume... 100% can influence and dictate yeah. your mentality, your view of the world, your reality. People don't realize how easily influenced they are. Yes. Um, and even, you know, people like me, I consider myself mentally very strong, but I can still be negatively influenced. Yeah. The last two years has proved that because yeah. I had moments where I was consuming so much news and I was yeah. so angry and I, that I was down, I was flat, and, yeah. I, and, and I'd never be deflated like that before. Oh. So... For me, I had to really look at myself and go, shit, I can't yeah. let myself fall into this space. This is not who I am. Yeah. So I went back to my, my rituals, affirmations. Gratitude's such a huge thing. You know, 
no matter what happens, we live in Australia. This is the best fucking country in the world. I'm so, yeah. and I, and I love Victoria, yeah. and I love Queensland. I love, look at look at the beaches we have, the people yeah. we have, the opportunity we have yeah. here. It's insane, and I think it's so easy to take that for granted. So you know, being grateful and and practicing gratitude, flexing that muscle every day. It's going to inevitably make you feel better and see the world differently and then operate within the world differently as well. So what we're experiencing today watching you on camera here and I mean the studio is mm. a result, the fruit of all of these things you're describing. 100%. Gratitude, you know, years and years of, of practicing this. I mean, I wrote a book on it called The Ultimate You if you want to yeah. check it out. But where, they, um, where can they buy that? Ultimate You? Uh, the Ultimate You. The Ultimate You? Yeah. And, I'll put uh, a link in the description below. Yeah, you, you can buy it from most all good bookstores and cool. uh, Amazon, etc. Cool. But um, but again, mindset's so crucial. It, it really is so important. And um, whether it's understanding motivation, understanding um, how to view the world, how to reframe, how yeah. to stay grateful, there's a, there's a bit to it. But it is worth delving into because at the end of the day, I think the last two years have proven this. When things are bad, you want to be able to pull out mm. the big guns. Mm. You need tools. It's that simple. Because I know for myself. If I can be pushed into a dark place, mm. then most people have, most people have got no, no shot. Um, and I needed to leverage my tools and what I'd learned over the years to, to really help me level out and, and push through. Okay. Mm. Sounds like a book I think I might actually need to read. Uh, you're a good guest because I could actually be very lazy and let you run the place because you're, you're, <laughs> um, you're bringing a lot to the interview. I've had some people interview in there. It's, you know, it's good to have them on, but they're mm. flat. Mm. Um, I mm. guess they need to read your book too. <laughs> Why are you so open and active about politics? Mm. Most business owners don't want to get involved. Yes, yeah. You're Look, thr- you're risking yourself. Well, uh, you know, I've lost a, a bit over it, to be honest. I mean, it's it hasn't been easy, and um, and it's not my field. You know, I didn't, I don't want to necessarily be doing this at all, or be talking about it, or interviewing politicians, etc. Um, I was just very frustrated. I was looking at what was happening. I was, you know, looking at the the data, the actual data. I was speaking to extremely smart people. I was speaking to business owners. Yet I'm watching the news and and things and it's what the news was portraying and what was taking place I knew was not the actual reality. But the, the fear and the the all-consuming narrative was just overwhelming 90% of people and it was turning, it was bringing out the worst in people. It was horrendous. Mm. I was very, very upset about the business situation because we were charging forward. Everything was great, obviously. I'd spent 10 years building this business with my heart and soul, gone through so much blood, sweat and tears to get it to where it was and it was stopped. It was forcefully shut down, um, in my view, uh, unnecessarily, and it wasn't managed properly. Gyms were hurt, I'd say, close to the most out of all industries, and I don't think there was enough um, light shut on that. You know, cafes, restaurants got a lot of airtime about it. Mm. Gyms got nearly nothing, mm. and um, and we were hit so freaking hard. And uh, and so, look, I was why I started was I held my tongue for a, for a long time. Oh. The first six months, I mean, when it first happened, I was like, okay, this seems pretty fucked up. This is, this is intense. Yeah. Let's yeah. just see what happens and we, we've got to learn about it and whatever. And then after the six-month period, things weren't adding up and I was getting skeptical and I'm thinking, this is, this is not right. And the way people are acting is not right. And what's happening to business, I know first, firsthand is not right. 
So I, I started to investigate a little bit more. I started to reach out to people. My network's quite big and, and I started to ask smart people and they were saying to me what I was thinking as well and I thought, okay, I'm not crazy. Mm. There's something's not right here. And, uh, and then from there, once you know the first year had passed, I sort of sucked it up for that year, and I thought, "Look, I'm just—we just got to suck it up." I'm Which is 2020, yeah, 2020. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna suck it up. We're gonna push through. I had a lot riding on 2020. We had a TV show that was meant to be coming out, oh. and a few other things. All, all stopped. Everything pushed, pushed aside. We had all these um, businesses about to open for for our company, and a lot of um, a lot of sales on the line. All stopped or disappeared, and uh, and then I had to suck that up, and I thought, okay. We're opening back up around Christmas and 220. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought, okay, things are going to get back to normal. And uh, that's Le- when it hit, didn't it? Well, that's when it. That's when the, the, the second round hit exactly, and that's when I, that's when I thought, nah, fuck this. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to cop this. I'm not going to sit down and and not say what I can clearly see. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, there's so much conformity there's so much fear yeah so everyone's so scared to speak out even if they know it all the conversations i was having yeah. were, were about the same thing people were skeptical they didn't believe it they were frustrated with the lack of transparency yeah. and the lack of data yeah. um that the the mainstream and the the governments were showing yet there was still a lot of data that you could find yeah. Yeah. to make your own decisions and so i thought the the problem here Number one, I, I always feel like I can make a change in the world. So I thought I need to do something. Yeah. I'm not just going to sit on my hands and hope that this changes. I can't watch what the government's doing. And then also I thought to myself, if we sit back yeah. and let this happen, what's going to happen the next five to ten years? What's the future of Australia going to look like? This is a really important time in our history. It's Yeah, but it's, we've done this forever, Andy. We've sat on yeah. our asses as Australians Correct. and been lucky and it's been okay. This that's is right. the point. That's it's right. It's been okay. Until now. And that's and it was the same for me. I was so with politics, I had no idea. I was so naive. I didn't care. I didn't give a shit. I didn't I didn't even didn't think I needed to know, you know, because things were so good. Won't it be the same now, though? Those people are still thinking, look, it's all right, it'll be fine. Well, I think a lot more people know it's not, and I think it's an opportunity for us to change that way of thinking. It it may or may not work, but we've got to try because if we don't, I'm not going to be building my business for the next 10 years and then this bullshit happen again, you know? To be clear, would you be okay if they locked you down but it was... They show you the data. They show you the science. It's all open. Absolutely. Look, if if Ebola breaks out, correct, hundred percent, absolutely, because it's truly life or death. You know, if the the data was relevant and real, and et cetera, et cetera, I would, of course, we do what we have to do. But the facts were that it wasn't, mm. and the data wasn't transparent at all. It's mm. still not for in a lot of cases. That you know, they're in court trying to hide so much of the data. There's a lot of levels to this, and we could go on for probably weeks talking about the different levels of it. But look, the the the, the truth is, and and we're seeing that now, the excuses about overwhelming hospitals they mm. weren't completely valid. The number of deaths of COVID were not accurately tracked and reported. The, the things like this were taking place across the globe. We're hearing we can't end up like Italy. And then we find out that Italy's cases, the same thing, 90 to 95% of them were not accurately um, reported. Same in the US. And so 
I was just like, this is insanity to mm. me. I can't understand and believe how many people are not putting the energy into finding out more about this and looking into the data and asking better questions, mm. looking at the death rate globally, death rate in Australia, not changing at all. It wasn't a pandemic of death. People weren't, more people weren't dying. So nothing was truly <laughs> making sense. Okay. And so to wind back to the original question, I thought to myself, I need to try to do something. At the risk of your own clients, losing clients. Well, I did. I yeah. copped a lot of shit. I lost a lot of followers. I what, was, like 10%, 20%? I, I lost, yeah, I lost more. It was probably like, yeah, 10, 15%, I think. And clients clients from your gyms? That went clients down? from my gyms were abusing me. They Ooh. were sending me messages. They were, and look. What, it, but what? Saying, hey, stop undermining the government. Yeah. Well, look, so first, firstly, I'd have... Look, it was a combination of people. It could have been employees, ex-employees. It could have been, uh, um, you know, some clients, etc. They would post comments, uh, post. When I, I went to the protest in Brisbane, which was legal, yeah. and people were starting to post about me, oh, personal development. He's always talking about embracing the uncomfortable, but he, uh, he can't embrace the uncomfortable and just wear a mask and lock down. And I'm like... I appreciate your point of view, yeah. but it is very naive and you do not understand what I'm trying to say here or do here. And so, look, I knew the, the risks, but I also knew the risks of not speaking out. These people who are turning on each other, mm. some people are angry at them. Mm. I don't like that mm. because I feel like they're more victims of propaganda. How much of it do you – we just spent the first half of the year talking about you know, affirmations, mm, mental mm, mindset. Mm. Have you seen – what's your opinion on the way the government has been talking to these people and do you blame them? Do you blame the government? How do you see that playing out? Look, I think everyone has to take responsibility for how they behave during this time. I said this at the start of the, start of the pandemic when we saw, we saw the toilet paper, people getting stabbed yes. over toilet paper yes. in Frankston. Like it was ridiculous. Stabbed? I swear there was a stabbing oh, wow. in Frankston, okay. yeah, right. over toilet paper. Wow. And so I was seeing this take place and, I, and I, I broadcast this a few times saying how we control ourselves and how we behave during this time is yeah. going to say a lot about our character yes. and it is ultimately the true reflection of, of who we are and where we're at. Okay. I think that everybody has to take responsibility. The propaganda and the negativity and the division and the shame and the cruelty that the government has shown is disgraceful, 100%. It makes me sick, to be honest. How that flowed into mainstream media made me sick as well. The opposite of what you're doing in the car, they're, uh, they're t telling to people. Well, that's right. But how, how much do you blame them for that? Because they had to keep us all safe. I mean, I know we said the data, they were lying about a few things. But mm -hmm. overall, um, do, is there a better way they could have done this? If it, 100%. Absolutely. It's through proper education and discussion and debate. We need a debate. Everyone was censored. There was no debate. There was full censorship. Yeah. They knew the data. If a young entrepreneur, not that smart, Andy Anderson, can look at the data and have a chat with politicians and other people and, and get a clear perspective, then they, they knew. And they knew that it wasn't as bad as they were making it out to Which be. is a problem because they want you to vax and they want you to mask and they want you to be happy locking down and mm, social distance mm, and check in. Mm, mm. So if they um, don't make it as bad as possible, if they give you that data you're talking mm. about that it's not as bad as it 
appears, mm. uh, they might lose some compliance. Mm. Correct. But again, on top of that, if it was truly about safety, they had the opportunity to bring in rap rats or rat testing so long ago. They could have done that. and They we, mocked it, actually. In they, they mocked it. Yeah. They could, instead of blanket policy, they could have easily looked at who was more likely to suffer from this, which, again, the data was clear from the start. that Old obese. Oh, exactly yeah. right. Sick people, older people, etc. Yes, maybe we look at quarantining them for a certain period of time, but you don't shut down the whole economy and then throw everybody into depression and anxiety and businesses crumbling, people losing their savings, losing money. You've got then looking at the, the younger demographic where we're, we're, I know it's super controversial, but the facts are that we don't know the long-term effects of the, the new vaccine. So it, it, it is literally the truth. It is still testing. They are testing this. This is, I, I, I'm surprised a lot more people don't realize this, but I think the stats are that, under the age of 15, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than to get seriously sick from, from okay. COVID. So, you know, the stats and the data has been there for a very long time. The blanket policy was ridiculous. It was lazy. And I believe that they knew a lot more than they had let on for a long period of time. And, uh, you know, some moments I sat back thinking, is this some big social experiment? Because this is just seems like madness to me. So, you know, that's that's what frustrated me. And that's what made me speak up. Mm. That's what I'm more fascinated by is the social aspect of it. Mm. I'm less interested in what Dan's declared I have to do this week and mm. I'm more interested in the way that that woman yelled at me for pushing my kid on a swing in the park. You know what she yelled? That's You're right. spreading the virus. That's right. The, the, the reaction. But this just shows you like fear drives, you know, fear drives people to do crazy things and they know this, you know. Psychology is very well understood. Social psychology is very well understood. They know the effects of things like this. We are not the first country and, you know, the first, uh, the first people to, be, um, to have propaganda pushed upon us and change our thinking, etc. This is why I said everyone's got to take responsibility because, yes, the government has shamed people and presented the option for people to turn on each other and shame people that think differently and call people crazy and insane. And, you know, some of the messages I've had have just been disgraceful and, and, and insane in my point of view. But the people that then think it's okay to take that upon them because it's on the news or because Dan said it's okay to do so and then to go out and shame people, dob on people, abuse people, stab people over toilet paper. Like you've got to have a good hard look at yourself and take responsibility for who you are and your character because that is who you are. You've just shown your true colours. And unfortunately, a lot of people have shown their true colours during this time. It's not pretty, is it? It is very ugly. It is very ugly. And, and unfortunately, I've I mean, that's been some of the biggest lessons for me. It's it's people um, in times like this, you know, there are there are a lot of people out there that aren't amazing characters. Was that I a think, surprise to you? It, you know what? It was. I, I expected more. I expected more from people. I expected more from people's loyalties and attitudes, etc. And it was, you know, I understand people are scared. I, I have empathy for people. I was scared at we times as well. We were all scared at the beginning. Too. Exactly. All of us. But not all of us screamed and attacked our fellow citizens. No, no. And then I, on top of that, you know, in the business world where people are worried about their money and mm -hmm. people are worried about their businesses, people then, you know, go crazy and turn on each other. It's just, it, it is insane. And so it's, it's sad to see. 
I have empathy for everybody going through this, but I also think that people need to take responsibility for how they've behaved and hopefully improve. But uh, unfortunately, I just think that it's shown a lot of people won't. All right, so let's go to um, this cr- the psychology of this all, this mm. crowd dynamic that we're mm. seeing emerge with these people attacking one another and, mm. and kind of, I feel like the government's been successfully and some would argue necessarily mm. co-opting our nature as a social species, mm. wanting to fit in group ideologies, group signaling. Mm. If you're not wearing a mask in the supermarket or at the protest, we know mm. where you stand. Mm. You're one of them, right? Mm. Um, what about... And the freedom movement or mm. the resistance, as Gigi Foster mm. calls it. I am seeing a lot of culty behavior over there. Now, you've got the Global Freedom Rally coming on in three days' mm. time. Yes. This will probably air after that. So it's probably happened. So you can so watch the replay. You watch the replay. Mm. So you are where at your Instagram platform? Uh, at Contrarian Daily. So on, What's that? Uh, so Contrarian Daily is a, a new platform website, independent media that we've um, I've collaborated on with a few others just to bring out these events. And ContrarianDaily.com? Contrarian Daily, yes. So on the Contrarian Daily on Instagram, on yep. YouTube, yep. Um, okay, Facebook. Cool. Mm. All right, so so you're, you're a bit of a meeting point for a lot of people in the resistance. Mm. So this is why I want to ask you about mm. this. Hope it's not mm. too uncomfortable. No, go All for right. it. Uh, there's culty behavior on that side too. 100%. And this is what's worrying me. When I had Dr. Mm. Cameron Murray on recently to talk about this groupish behavior and signaling and so on, mm. Some of the accusations against from the people watching Channel Nine and all that against the freedom movement are saying you you you're claiming us of being culty around Dan, mm. but he kept us safe. But look at you, you're all got your little signals and your culty behaviour mm. as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, what do you think of this? Am I? No, you're on the money, and okay. I think in any situation you're going to get extremes from both ends, yeah. and that, that that was always there. You know, it was always there. I think that. Um, in any situation, whether you are, you know, on the Dan side or on this side, you've got to be aware of everyone around you. And as I mentioned, take responsibility for who you associate with, who you um, support, how you support them, um, what you say and how you communicate and represent. I've been very, very cautious from the start of how I communicate my point of view and who I Obviously, you know, interview on my social media, etc. But you're so open with mm. the Global Freedom Rally. Mm. You're inviting a very broad section on. I mean, you invited me and I rejected you. That's right, right you did because I didn't want Broke to be. My heart. A, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be associated with some of the people you had on. That's right. And I think you're bolder than I am, or bigger hearted than I am, because how how are you managing mm. to still mm. bring all these people together? I'm sure there's some of them that do some things you don't agree with, mm. and yet. You're not afraid like I am Mm -hmm. to be associated with it. No, well, look, I mean, for the Global Freedom Rally specifically, I thought it was important to get a wide range of of views and speakers on board, Um, a wider audience, et cetera, and to to get a wider message out there. On my my social platforms, et cetera, um, I'm a little bit more picky with who I I, uh, interview, et cetera. And initially, I wanted to just purely interview celebrities, lawyers, doctors, um, politicians. Yeah. I just wanted to keep it very matter of fact. I didn't want emotional, you know, jargon being involved, etc. I wanted it to be rational conversations, and I wanted, you know, I mean, you've had the, um, you've had some great guests on here as well, and I wanted to get people that that I interviewed that were well established and well respected, so the message would come across appropriately, yes. and we could hopefully show some of these others that were maybe worried or scared or didn't have the confidence to speak out or 
were learning, where they would see, you know, people like Andrew Bogart, etc., and some of these politicians say, okay, this is actual, this is real information. Yeah. This is not just emotional conspiracy theory jargon. So what do you do with the mm. ones who are putting out jargon and mm. conspiracy theories? Well, look, I mean, on the, I, I try to give guidelines to what to speak about yeah. and from their perspective, etc. And as you said, some people, they've brought, everyone's brought different things to this and yeah. they've tr tried to help in different ways. Some have done silly things and, um, and some people I do stay away from completely. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I try to select people for the Global Freedom Rally that I think are going to add some value in a specific realm um, and that are going to shine a light on a, on a larger demographic and audience. Okay. Well, mm. what about broader than just the Global Freedom Rally? What mm. should people – a lot of people watching this are kind of the mums in the suburbs and yeah. the dads in the suburbs yeah. who aren't particularly invested in Dan or the Greens or mm. whatever. Mm. And they're also not particularly invested in I want to go to a freedom um, – the country's going to hell, it's not real, it's a corporation in the US, you know. Yeah. They are a little bit homeless at the moment. Mm, mm. What, what, are the, what are they, where do they go? Mm. I don't have an answer to this, mm. I'm not sure mm. if you have. I just don't know where to send them. Mm. Mm. Maybe do they even have to choose a side? Because I feel like they just want rationality, they want calmness, they want us to yeah. be real, but they also don't want to do some of these stunts that the mm. Freedom Guys are doing as well. No, correct. And that's completely fair as well. And honestly, I prefer to be in that in that sort of middle section and realm too. I think where those people should go to is having a look at the political parties, but actually looking. Because I think prior to this, majority of people knew Labor, they knew Liberal. They didn't know the policies. They didn't know what they actually represented or what they stood for or who the people were. And they didn't pay attention. They didn't also know about the minor parties. Mm. And I think now's our opportunity to understand politics a little bit better. Yep. To line up the policies of all of these players yep. and say, who actually represents me? Who okay. represents what I believe, what I want, what where I see this country going? And who doesn't? Because the branding and, and what you see on the news can influence people to just be, oh, I'm going to choose Labor because I'm a worker, or I'm going to choose the world because I own a business. It's, it's Both more, those parties are probably not a great option right now. They are not. A hundred percent they are not. And and I think that those people in the middle should just take a rational approach. Yeah. They should have a look at the parties, yeah. the minor parties and the, the bigger parties, and preferably without branding. Get, get get them all printed out so you don't even know who it is. Oh, right. And just policies, read yeah. read the policies and say who actually resonates with me. Pick them and say, who is this? Oh, oh it's Adam Band for the Greens. I'm that's right. Greens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If that's yeah. what you believe in, then that's what you believe right. in, and that's fine. But I think where people are just so easily influenced by mm. the news or all they know is Dan or all they know is... Or good friend, Limbrick. Mm. Like they might vote for him no matter what. I'm like, no, no, no. He's a friend of mine. Play poker with him. Yeah. But don't just vote for him like that. Check his policies. That's right. If you don't agree with his policies, yes. don't vote for him. Yes. So it's, it's an important time. So those people that you, that you mentioned, I think, do that. You know, take a deep breath, have a look at the policies, figure out who you're going to support, think about who you're going to vote first and last, et cetera, and then uh, and take action. And talk about it more with your friends and family. Like I think okay. the, the lack of debate and how scared people have been to have conversations about this. People have either completely avoided it, it's just too much to think about, or they're just scared of being criticised or rejected or abused or whatever yeah, it may be. Yeah. Other people aren't. But I think, you know, at this point in time, we've all got to take responsibility for our country. Yeah. Where are we going? Where do you want to Where go? Where are we going, indeed? Mm. 
All right. So uh, vote, voting is is coming up, and I'm oh soon, isn't it? We've got federal coming up. That's right. Go. Yeah. When are we now? February, March. So that'll be the next couple of months. Then we got. Is it May or? Oh, so it'd be soon. Not sure. And then uh, November at the end of the year. So how do we? Okay. When when you think about the voting, like you've got mm. the Craig Kellys and the Clive Palmers mm. and the Pauline Hansons, who um, it's funny they were so fringe. I guess they're still cast as fringe now, but they're way less fringe now than back in the day when Pauline started. Like she's Absolutely. actually Pauline Hanson. I remember as a kid, I was yeah. in school. Pauline pants down, and all that, right? <laughs> Please oh, she's, explain, man. That that woman is an absolute beast. She's she's copped so much over the so years. Much. You got to, you know what? You got to give. People like her just hats off to the resilience I know, right? and to the amount of criticism and like hate that they can cop yeah. and still charge on. It's it's inspiring. Where did she learn it? At the fish and chip shop. Hey, she learned right. it at the fryer. I love it. I love it. She's made of more oh, metal than Scomo. I love it. She actually, um, I saw her speak at um, in Gold Coast, and she put on a great speech. Everyone's chanting her name. It was thousands yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. The the fringe are now not so fringe. Especially her. She's. Mm. Um, becoming more and more mature. Have you seen a political cartoon she's putting out? They are so good. Oh, incredible. They are, are they not hilarious? That they are. They crack me up. Uh, but when you look at these guys, um, one of the criticisms from the other side, so The Age and The Guardian and the usual um, Twitterati, they point to the more extreme, they point to the noose mm. in um, mm. the gallows mm. in, in the protests in, in Victoria. They point to the, the one of the organisers of the Canberra convoy mm. that we just had. One mm. of them took a gun. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Taking mm. a gun? You're an idiot. And he's going to court now. Uh, they point to the more extreme elements out there. I'm wondering how do we get to a point where it's like the convoy? If you look at the Canada convoy, mm. the truckers, they're so clean. It's mm. not funny. Yeah. Good luck trying to find anything on mm. them. And the mm. one thing they did find, they found one idiot out of tens of thousands of them carrying a Nazi flag. And then all the convoy people like, get that. out. Yes. You get out. Mm. So the, the the Canada convoy protesters around the world are pretty much seen as, as pretty mainstream mm. and yet the ones here in australia are mm. seen as a bit more fringe mm. well look I, I think that number one we've we've got to police ourselves i mean we need to be able to say what's appropriate and what's not you, you are not helping anyone doing ridiculous shit it's that simple like you you may be feeling gung-ho and whatever i don't know what your reasons are but You've got to think about the bigger picture and you've got to think about, you know, what we're trying to do here. And we're trying to just get a message across to a lot of people that maybe don't understand yet, etc. If you are not representing yourself and what you stand for appropriately, you are doing more harm than good and you should just go home flat out. So why is the media focusing on those negatives? What makes sense? Well, you've got to discredit the movement. That's exactly right. And that's what they've they've put a lot of energy and effort into it. I was very um, – I've got a lot of friends in TV and a lot of friends in uh, in the media, et cetera. In legacy media? Yeah. 7910 type yep, stuff, yeah. Yep. Okay. And, um, and, I, and there's a lot of good people in really? legacy media, but the the way that the news have, <coughs> um, have reported and portrayed things have been so disappointing. I was very – where I really got triggered and quite upset was when the – uh, CFMEU protests were on. Oh, yeah. And I knew a lot of those guys down there. I used yeah. to be a chippy, et cetera. Yeah. I knew so many people down there were just business owners yeah. or whatever it may be. But the way that they started coming out, calling them Nazis. Secker and Bill Shorten, yeah. And I just, that was the, the moment for me personally where I looked at I thought, 
this is disgrace like this yeah. is disgraceful. This yeah. is that that so is manipulation. It's manipulation. Yeah. It's I, lost, I lost a lot of faith and respect at that point. For um, mainstream media. For the news, so these yeah. good people that are in mainstream media that you know of, how are they finding working within the beast? Well, look, a lot of people are not happy with it, and but they're just not. They they don't want to risk their okay. jobs. Right. They uh, well, I should. Well, I should. I keep on saying mainstream, but it's not. As we've seen with Rogan, there's way more people watching Rogan than CNN. So I try to 100%. call them legacy media. So mm. some of these people are scared of losing their jobs. There's going to be new jobs outside in, yeah. a, in, al- in alternative media. Ah, uh, mate, uh, I have had a whirlwind chat with you. It's been awesome. Thank you for coming in, uh, talking about all these things. I'm hoping that people feel inspired by the energy that you're bringing across here. Hmm, thank you. And they should all have already watched a global freedom rally, which has already happened. And uh, where to from from here on the other side? Or do you think we'll come out like America with um, Ben Shapiro versus the Young Turks? And it, that's, yeah, there's yeah. nothing in the middle. Yeah. Or do you think we'll end up with a good middle rump in Australia? Look, it, it's so hard to call it, but I think that there's a lot of new independent media coming out. There's a lot of people that are starting to understand politics and understand, I guess, the world a lot better, and they are wanting to do something about it. I think that we need to just open up debate. Like, we need to get back to what democracy is actually about, and that's what's been disappointing. We have seen no debate about COVID, from a proper debate from both sides, we haven't seen doctors and scientists debating the stats and the how how real and how relevant these things are and the decisions are. And so I just hope that people stand up faster next time. I hope people um, find the courage to speak their truth and not not cop unjust things like the way a lot of people have. And uh, and I just hope more debate is welcomed and less censorship because, I mean. You know, my socials have been smashed, I've been abused, I've had friends kicked off social media, I've been almost kicked off social media, and it's it's ridiculous. Why cannot we ha- why can't we have a discussion? Mm. Why can't we have a discussion? Well, we're doing it right here. Thank you for watching the discernible interviews. Find all of our content online and end of podcast. That was fun. 